0: Hello, and welcome to Cap Times Talks, a podcast bringing you smart conversations about big topics in our city. On today's show, how can our tech sector get more diverse? Madison's tech and startup economy is booming, but its workforce doesn't reflect the population of the broader community. Last week, the Cap Times and the co working space 100 State hosted a talk at the Madison Public Library's Central Branch on what can be done to change that. The panelists there included Rashid Atlas, the principal instructor for the Y-Web Career Academy.
1: Equal opportunity does not mean equal resources. Everyone needs something different to have the same opportunity.
0: Ni nee Lee, the director of the Startup Accelerator program, G Beta Madison.
2: If your community doesn't have enough diversity and you've been talking about diversity, it's time to reevaluate whether or not you're actually doing something effective about it or if you're just doing stuff that makes you feel like you feel
3: good about it.
0: Christina Outlay, information technology professor at UW-Whitewater and the founder of Color Coded.
3: You do have to do the work. There's no getting around it. And at this point, I think there are enough initiatives in Madison to bring people to the field, but now companies have to step up.
0: And Dante Viscara. CEO of Futura. There's
4: a long way to go in, ter- in terms of, of w- what the city has to do to, to welcome the talent that you need to make things work.
0: The event was moderated by Amber Walker, the education reporter for the Cap Times. One quick warning before we begin. The audio quality of this recording is a little rough, and we had to edit out some parts of the talk because of that. All right, I'll let Amber take it from here.
5: We're going to start um, with the first question um, with the panel, asking them how they got their start in tech.
1: My start in tech was pretty much by luck. I was a sign and display artist, so um, for the older folks, I would go around downtown and paint people's names on their windows, on their doors. Uh, That was my skill set. I had an opportunity with a professor who was starting a design firm, offered me a job told me I was the only one he knew qualified to do the work, Uh, so I dropped out of school and took an opportunity with my professor, um, which ended up turning into me becoming a web designer and web developer. Uh, Shortly after that opportunity, we found a client that had $150,000 and needed a website. Um, He asked if I was willing to learn how to do it. From then on, I had been doing websites or some form of interactive design and development.
2: Um, I graduated from Georgia Tech in 2011, so Georgia Tech is uh, Georgia's biggest um, engineering institute. And uh, I graduated material science and biomedical engineering, but really the start was in high school. Um, I I grew up in in a low-income house. My parents are, you know, we're all immigrants and my parents are laborers, so my mom and dad both do factory jobs. And, you know, everybody that I knew that was Vietnamese um, was either an accountant, no shocker, um, or like a doctor or a pharmacist, etc. Like, I never thought engineering was a a thing that I could do uh, until I joined um, Science Olympiad in high school. So, you know, some kids did sports, some kids did debate. I did Science Olympiad. That was my thing. I was a big nerd in high school. And... um, and so then I went to our school. You know, we were the underdogs and we, um, it was like a Hollywood movie made made for video kind of thing. Uh, we went to, we made it to nationals. We went to Urbana-Champaign. And I saw a bunch of people that looked just like me doing engineering. Um, so you know, I figured, oh, maybe that's something for me. Um, and when it came down to applying for college, uh, a lot of my friends who were in science Olympiad were applying to to Georgia Tech. So I figured, why not? Because you know, as a seventeen-year-old kid, I do everything that my friends do. Um, so then I applied to Georgia Tech. Um, I still intended on being a, like a pediatrician, I think, at the, at the time. And at some point, you know, I started doing research, and I figured out, wow, I really like research. I really like doing that. And um, and then that's how I ended up uh, in in more of like the engineering space. But how I ended up in more of the business space was um, I came here for my graduate degree. And my advisor is the, uh, this Bill Murphy. He's the director of the Stem Cell Center here. And he does a lot of research that's very different than what most professors do. So we focus a lot on not just pushing the boundaries of fundamental knowledge, but we also focus on how do we translate that technology from the lab into the marketplace and into the clinic so that people can actually use it within our lifetime. And from my research here in my PhD, um, we've had either six or seven patents uh, filed and either three or four that have been uh, granted. And so that's very different than most PhD students' experience. And all of that push for translation really pushed me towards, like, the business application of
3: um, what I could do. I was an undergraduate when I got into computing in kind of a roundabout way. So I was pretty young when I graduated from high school and finding my way in college. I started as a physics major and switched from physics to mechanical engineering and eventually switched from mechanical engineering to psychology. It was a big flip, right? (laughs) Right around my junior year in psychology, I took a student job on campus for our Office of Diversity. And my boss there wanted me to, as a research assistant, but my boss there wanted me to research how to build a website. And then after learning how to build a website, to build a website for our office. So I started to do that. And now it wasn't that difficult to learn how to build websites. This was in the late '90s, and websites were some HTML code and some buttons, a few simple images, maybe a couple scripts or applets that you can embed into the page. You didn't actually have to write them. And so after a few weeks uh, a few weeks of research and then a couple months of work, we had a site, and I started to run and manage that site. And I realized that I really, really liked working on this site and just learning more about how to work with computers in general. Well, I was a junior, and this was also around the time that I was thinking, what am I gonna do with this psychology degree? I should have stayed in engineering. What was I thinking, right? And So I wanted to go into information technology, but I didn't want to change my major again because I also wanted to graduate. So um, this was the late 90s when companies were preparing frantically to get ready for Y2K. And so a lot of companies like State Farm were looking for non-technical people to hire, then bringing us on board and taking us through the training to teach us how to program and to work for them as programmers. And so I graduated with a psychology degree and became a computer programmer. You all have the backstory first. Usually what I say is my bachelor's degree is in psychology, my first job was a programmer, and everyone's face kind of goes, how did that happen? Well, that's how that happened. Working for State Farm as a computer programmer, I worked with COBOL and PL1, mostly mainframe programming, and after a few weeks of learning how to program, I realized I had actually done some programming back when I was a mechanical engineering major. It just didn't click with me. Back then it was FORTRAN and BASIC. So I'm feeling old as I talk about these languages. (laughs) But I'll tell you all, COBOL is still in widespread use. So I am actually a hot commodity here, (laughs) if I can remember it. (laughs) 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 Um, But uh, I worked as a programmer for a while, but then I switched to user interface design. So there is a field that kind of overlaps psychology and computer science, which looks at human-computer interaction and how you design systems that work with how humans process information. And so I was able to tie that psych degree in just a little bit. And from there then, I moved into IT project coordination and I stayed in IT leadership from that point, working in corporate for state farms and for Allstate. I also worked, uh, well, was a Navy reservist as an information systems technician and IT work center supervisor. So all my work has been in the IT area. Once I got there I loved it and I've never left. My, um, But I still had that bachelor's in psychology kind of bothering me. So I went back to get a master's degree in information systems and project management and eventually when I decided that I wanted to teach in academia, I went back to get my PhD in management information systems. So all of my corporate and beyond experience has been in information
5: technology. We often hear um, Madison referred to as a tech hub with um, the UW and um, companies like Epic and American Family Insurance making their headquarters here. But in your opinion, is that true? And would you recommend Madison as a city for techies of color and why or why not?
4: Uh, As a Badger alumni from UW Madison, I think there's no question about it. We have a top-notch school. Second to none, if you study STEM research or program or business or law school, you go to law school or, or you go to um, any other, we have an incredible school. Um, however, the, the future is quite distant uh, in, in my opinion. Um, the reason is when I interact with a lot of students uh, through projects, what, what I hear from them is basically I cannot, I cannot wait to finish my, my degree to get out of here. I, I cannot wait to, to really go to Chicago or New York I feel kind of alone or there's not many resources, they feel like left, left alone. Um, there's a long way to go in, ter- in terms of, of w- what the city has to do to, to welcome our, the talent that we need to make things work. Uh, you look around, for example, they're looking for experiences, they're looking for learning languages, they wanna learn how to cook, they wanna learn how to dance. You have to find that on your own. Uh, the city, or, or they're not putting the efforts forward to make that available for this talent to be retained locally. So I think, I think it's, we have a great school, but still a long way to go in terms of retaining, attracting, putting the systems in place to, to make them want to stay here.
3: I teach at UW-Whitewater, and so many of our students graduate and they get jobs in Madison and Milwaukee. So some of them are coming here to Madison to work. To answer your question though, so my answer to the question is different for the different parts of the question. Is Madison a booming tech hub? Absolutely. With a caveat, Madison is really being referred to as a booming hub for tech startups. We have a lot of startups here, and I saw somebody ask that question about whether we really are a tech hub, and so I did some research. And we actually have well over 150 companies and that's only a partial search, and that's looking at companies that are 10 or more employees. The vast majority of them are companies that are between 10 and 49 employees. So that's pretty close to startups or smaller companies. But in addition to Epic and American Family, we also have um, we have a Google office here. Then we have companies some of you know of, 10 Ford, Bendyworks, Zendesk, Perblue, Eat Street, Shopbop has an office here, Nordic, Blue Tree, I could keep going. There are a lot of tech companies here in Madison. There are a lot of tech jobs here in Madison. If you search information technology jobs in LinkedIn, you'll get about 475 results, approximately 150 of which are entry level. If you search software-related positions, that number shoots up to almost 1,800, approximately 1,000 of which are entry level. Now, I can't say how many IT or CS students are graduating from University of Madison, But we have two different groups, IT and CS at UW-Whitewater. And I'm in IT. In IT, we have 330 students. Of those 330 students, we have about 126 who are seniors. So let's say half of them come to Madison. We've got about 63 seniors who want to come to Madison. There are a thousand jobs waiting for them to apply for those jobs. So there are absolutely tech jobs here. There are tech companies here. There are companies that are not tech by industry, but hire tech workers. So absolutely, Madison is a great place to come to to get a tech job.
1: Median salaries
3: for our graduating students are forty-six to $56,000. That's a lot of money for a 22-year-old. I have students who have made upwards of 60-plus for their first jobs, and they've got internship experience and other things that can account for that. But it is a good place to come to. That's part one of the question, though. Part two was techies of color, and that's where my answer changes. And that has... Um, That's partially to do with the tech industry in general, but also to do with Madison as a place to live as a person of color. It's not the friendliest environment to live in. It's a difficult place to build a network if you're going to surround yourself with people of similar culture and race. And so that is where I've actually had students of color come here to take tech jobs and they've struggled. And it's been less about struggling with the job and more about struggling with the environment That they were within in Madison and then perhaps even in in that workplace related to their race or their culture Um, not as much from my students based on gender but there are gender issues to consider as well Madison a tech hub yes great place to get a tech job yes for techies of color maybe leaning toward no not yet that's what my answer would be
2: Um, my answer is a little bit different. So yes, Madison is a tech hub in general. Um, is it a, a tech hub for techies of color? No. Would I recommend it? I would say yes. So there's a, well, yes with a, like an asterisk at the end of it. Um, so, you know, there's, let's be real, there's not that many techies of color here. And I'm looking in the crowd and I, I've either seen most of the techies of color or most of the people of color here, or if I haven't seen you, um, guarantee I'll probably see you like within the next several months. If there aren't that many techies of color here, why would my answer be yes, come here? Um, come here because the one, I I wanna say that as a techie of color here, I'm one of the rare few, so I'm like a unicorn. And unicorns are cool, y'all. Um, and the other thing is, like, as a techie of color here, I'm kind of a big fish in a little bowl almost, right? Um, think about it, me, Amber, Greg, you see us everywhere in Madison. When you need someone who is a black male startup person, first thing that comes to mind is Greg. When I first started, man, y'all, it was tough. I would go to events where I'm obviously the host, I'm like, I go up there and say, hi, my name is Nee. I am the director of G-Beta, thank you for coming to this G-Beta hosted event. And people will come up to me and just say some crazy stuff, man. Um, and it's discouraging. It's very easy to get very discouraged uh, when stuff like that happens to you. My thing is, for those of you who are techies of color, who have just come to Madison, those of you who know techies of color, who um, might be interested in Madison, those who, who know techies of color who are getting discouraged in Madison. Um, my thing is, just remember, people don't have bad intentions here in Madison. I think it's that we have good intentions, but the execution is poor. Um, Amber asked me you know, about being on this panel and how I felt when I was being asked. And part of my hesitation to be on panels like this is we have a lot of very well-intentioned people in Madison here and we talk about diversity a lot and then we're like yeah i talked about diversity i'm down with the sisters and then we go home and then we do the same things over and over again um so for those of you who aren't people of color just keep that in mind participating in the conversation does not lead to change unless you actually have something actionable with it so in order to make this a place where i would recommend it for techies of color we need more people of color who are actually um you know succeeding and part of that is on us to succeed and on us to to grasp the opportunities and fight through those hard times. And part of it is on y'all, like those who are not people of color. Like you guys are half as, I don't know if it's half, I'm just making up numbers. I'm not a numbers person here. <laughs> um, I will give you no numbers. Um, but part of it is on y'all. Like if your community doesn't have enough diversity and you've been talking about diversity, it's time to reevaluate whether or not you're actually doing something effective about it or if you're just doing stuff that makes you feel like you feel good about it.
1: So is Madison a tech hub? Um, Essentially in the meaning of the words tech hub, yes I would say it's a tech hub. I don't necessarily consider Madison a tech hub for Madisonians. Madison Madison recruits out of state. Myself was, was even recruited from out of state. I'm a Wisconsin native but I'm not from Madison. Um, and that's most commonly what I see um, here in in Madison is companies are more than willing to bring someone in, um, not as willing to invest in the people that are born and raised and live locally here in this town. Um, So with the work I do specifically, I try to address that. Um, But I think that's one of the biggest challenges is getting the business side of Madison and um, the rest of the Madison community to understand that to change it, I feel like it 's an investment that has to happen with t- investing in the people locally here and creating better opportunities for the people here, otherwise people will continue to leave. Um, there's no reason this day um, if you are not planning a future for your family and you don 't see a fruitful future for your family in, in that plan it, it, it's not it 's not a smart, intelligent solution for for a lot of people that grow up here. Um, for me, my, my experience was a little different because I was recruited and offered a lot to come here. Um, but even then, I was recruited to come work in Madison by Zebra Dog in 2005. I didn't actually move to Madison in 2012, didn't buy a home here until 2015. I drove from Indiana to Madison. But seriously, I did not want to live here. It was, um, so It was, at the time, the number five place in the country to live if you were a designer. All right, Um, but I didn't see it for myself. Um, The money made me want to come. I moved here because um, I started a family, got married and had a child. So I decided to to plant my seeds here on my feet and grow something here. But at that exact same time, I quit my job with the firm I was with, Zebra Dog, and went on my own, Um, basically because I wanted to try to do something here to change the face of what it looked like if I was going to have kids grow up in this town. so I took a huge pay cut and started doing work to try to create better opportunities for the folks that live here um, because I want my kids to stay here when they grow up. Um, what I see, even with my step-sons, immediately. I'd rather go to college somewhere else. I don't, in my opinion, UW has the best research program on the planet. They don't want to go here all right? because they grew up here they know what it's like. Um, I don't want my younger sons to experience the same thing, so now my work is dedicated to making sure we can change the face of that. But my biggest struggle is getting, like I said, um, employment partners to want to invest in the people that are already here, okay? Um, We have a lot of great tech opportunities and a lot of young startups that are doing big, big things, but I think most of them see right away that the real opportunity is going to come for them if they leave. That has to change. Um, Otherwise, we'll just be the incubator portion of all of this and um, will never be the true hub of where sustainable opportunity is. So.
5: Well, we already started talking about this a little bit, but I want to um, probe you a little bit more. Um, what advice do you have for local companies who want to create um, a workplace culture that's inclusive for underrepresented POCs in tech?
1: My best advice would be to listen um, and be patient. Um, to li- mainly listen to the employees and understand that providing an opportunity doesn't mean that you just give a blanket situation to everybody. Opportunity looks different for every person, um, and the needs and an opportunity are different for every person. So depending on um, the background of a person, where they've been to school, where they've been trained, or what training exists at all, opportunity looks different for each one of us. And opportunity for me would be different for each one of us on this panel, depending on what that opportunity and what our needs would be. Um, so just understanding that there is no blanket solution and understanding that um, equal resources doesn't mean equal opportunity. All right, If I give every person in this room a pair of glasses, it is not going to solve everybody's problem. But you all got the same thing. Everybody needs something different. Um, I think that's the biggest challenge for employers to understand that they are oftentimes, when trying to address the problem here specifically in Madison, that they're dealing with a demographic that they have not tried to serve before. Um, with that being the case, they have a lot of room to grow, and a lot of understanding needs to happen for them to be able to serve that demographic properly and onboard these uh, types of employees and give them the things and the resources and the needs to do their jobs well, um, as they would as somebody they recruited and gave $20,000 in moving expenses, and set them up in town, and all that kind of stuff. Um, because that's what normally happens. But if you're locally, none of those things happen for you. But those needs and barriers and are still, still exist in most cases, and often more times more so for the people locally than the people who, who are in a position to be able to move.
2: So, I'm now in a unique position where I'm a point in my life where I'm middle management. I've got managers above me, I've got people below me. i um, i'm I'm going out and doing hiring. And one thing is
3: now that I'm doing
2: hiring, I am not a big fan of hiring interns and you know part-time employees from UW Madison. And the reason why I say that is I want to when I was hired on as a full-time employee at Generator, I was the first employee of color. And that is an isolating experience. Generator is fantastic. I'm there not because of the pay, because trust me, you know I went to PhD because not because I wanted the money, because believe it or not, grad students don't get paid that much. You get paid like a ramen packet and some free pizza. Um, and I'm not here working with startups because you know I can get a lot of money. So I came because I wanted to to make a difference. Um, you know, Madison, we have so many startups, but we are overwhelmingly white and male. We're not even talking about like Black and male, Asian and male. We're talking about white male. Um, so now you know I'm here, and I'm in the unique position to hire. One thing that I would encourage all of you who are in positions to hire is stop only thinking of UW as a source for talent. When you think of a four-year traditional college like UW as the only source for talent, you you eliminate a lot of people who can't one afford the college and two are. Um, who don't want to go to the college because they don't like the environment that it, it cultivates? Look to look to Madison College. Look to Edgewood. I mean, look to you know YWCA. Those are all places where there's a lot of talent, um, where you will happen to see a lot of people of color, a lot of women, a lot of people with disabilities, a lot of um, you know people who are a little bit older who aren't your typical 22-year-old bro with a hoodie, right? Um, So I'm I'm a big fan of very actionable items and I know that we're talking about support and like create an environment of inclusiveness and you're like, what does that mean? Like, (laughs) you know, what what does that mean? One, hire from places that you don't already hire. If you are doing all of these efforts to increase diversity and the past two years, you still are hovering at a um, staggeringly high percent of zero, then you should probably stop doing what you're doing because you're not doing something different, right? Um, So one, consider hiring and considering, consider posting positions, consider other um, places for your talent, right? If you don't look elsewhere, you're not gonna find something different. So that's the first thing. The second thing is for those of you who are people of color and those of you who are not people of color who want to make a difference, become managers. And I know that's kind of like a little bit counterintuitive to tell more white folks to become more managers so that we can get more like, people of color as managers. But no, for those of you who are quote unquote down with the sisters, go be managers because you will be the ones in those positions to make those differences, right? Make the, the different hiring decisions. So go be managers. When you are a manager or if you already are a manager, this element of mentorship is really important. You need a community, and if you don't have a community, you're not going to stay in a, com- a company, right? Most companies, you, you come, you work, you have to believe in the mission to be really happy with your job, and then you go home at the end of the day and you're still happy with your job. If you're miserable in your company, you're not going to stay. It's going to feel like work. Um, so create an, an environment where, you know, they have the people of color in your company at least has one friend.
3: I have a list, uh, and in some cases I try to be specific, with specific recommendations that any employers here might be able to explore right away. Some of it, I think, overlaps a little bit with things that me already said. But to add on, also invest in youth. We have a lot of youth in Madison. We have a lot of low-income youth and youth of color and girls, all of which are underrepresented. We have youth who are already identifying their gender identities and dealing with uh, disabilities, and all of those, to me, well, not to me, but all of those represent diversity in areas that are underrepresented in information technology. And what happens, my my younger kids are in middle school. What happens in middle school, most of them, if you talk about their careers, they want to be soccer players and basketball players, right? Because they're playing soccer and basketball, and they're familiar with it, and they know that they like it or they wanna be police officers or teachers because they're familiar, at least to some extent, with what police officers and teachers and nurses and so on do. Most of them don't know what IT folk do. They don't know what computer science professionals do. And so they're not familiar with it. All they have are scenes from movies and they think it's very hard and something that you have to be super smart and very good at math to be able to do. This is especially true for girls and this is super duper true for um, youth of color big time. So they don't know what it is and they're not interested in it because it's unfamiliar or they don't think they can do it. If we get to the high school level, even if we introduce middle school youth to computing, which some organizations here already do, then we get to high school level, we lose a lot of them again because they've got to get jobs. And some of them have to make money to contribute to the household. And so we can't say, go do this volunteer stuff for this tech company so you can learn about it. We've got to give them some paid opportunities to learn about it. And companies shy away immediately from offering high school internships, despite the fact that there are models that work. There is one organization called Urban Alliance. Urban Alliance has offices in D.C., Virginia, Chicago, and Baltimore, I think. And that's exactly what they do, is they pair urban youth with companies to work in paid internships that will give them the experience to ideally graduate and go work for some of those companies, which some of them do, and if not for those companies, know what, they, what IT people do and potential, potentially pursue a career. That is something that I'd like to see established here in Madison, and I've spent the last semester trying to kind of get the ball rolling on, and I'll tell you, companies back up quick when you say, I've got a high school student who knows how to do that and say, well, we're thinking college. Now, I teach college, so I can tell you, I've got some high school seniors who can do just as well as my freshmen and sophomores and some juniors, right? So there is, in general, a maturity level that you think about with high school, but there are some students who can do it. And if we don't introduce them to it in high school, they're not coming in college. When the Urban League, I think it's the Urban League, or Madison College, Madison College has their diversity youth job fairs for African-American students and then for Asian students and Hispanic students. African-American student job fair, the smallest number of them went to the IT speakers to learn more about it. When We have a Women in Business Day at University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. The tiniest group is the group that goes to hear about our IT majors and IT jobs because they don't know what it is they've already checked out. So we have to start offering those opportunities to youth and then we also have to reach out to find other underrepresented groups in ways that you're not normally going to find them. So what are the specifics? We have groups such as, um, if we talk about women first, Madison Women in Tech, Cold Cinella. You can network directly with those groups and I don't mean just send your job postings to them. But get in front of them and talk to them and build a network. Start inviting them into your companies and offering them positions. ITA, the University of Wisconsin-Madison, they're looking for companies, they have some companies to partner and offer internships, they're always looking for more, partner with them and they focus on um, a lot on students of color and getting them into college and into those fields. MATEM works with third through twelfth grade, they're teaching them technology and programming. Um, Winnie Corona is not here, to t- I don't think, to talk about MATEM. I don't know that they actively try to place any of their youth in jobs, but still they're working with youth, some of whom are teenagers and through senior year. Shadow opportunities. Job shadowing opportunities, mentoring opportunities, partner with them, reach out to them, and be genuine. And YWeb, rashid has been checking us this whole session, right, telling us what we need to do, catch him before he goes and figure out how you can connect with them and hire students, not just for internships from their programs, but for long-term jobs. Because I looked at YWeb's success, and after the internship, about 60%, I think, are still working in IT, but there's 40% who aren't. So what happened to them? I would say something happened between internship and getting a permanent position. We didn't re- I say we, I didn't hire any of them, but the companies didn't retain them. So there are also other organizations you can recruit. Now this goes to bringing people from outside. You can recruit with HBCUs. When I worked for State Firm, they directly recruited at HBCUs. It was an entirely separate recruitment program from the standard recruitment program. Student organizations of color, student organizations for gender or for gender gender identity, special groups, um, international students, et cetera. There are groups like Black Data Processing Associates. Their nearest chapter is in Chicago. There's one in Minneapolis. There are orgs like Lesbians Who Tech, Lista, is Latinos in Information Science and Technology Association, all of which have job boards, a way that you can reach out to their members and bring them in. If you want people of color in your company, you've gotta go get them. You have to go get them. Every panel I sit on, I say, you have to go get them. You cannot say, well, we put our postings out and nobody came. You can't say, well, they know that we're here, they don't apply. And even though the numbers are lower, you cannot say that they don't exist because they do but you have to go get them and be very deliberate about finding and inviting and hiring diverse candidates. You have to do the work. Now, once you get them, what else can you do? Make sure that your job and your workplace language are sensitive to the fact that you have different genders and cultures, in the workplace. Everybody talks about bro language and stuff like that in the workplace in IT or IT companies that until they hired a woman didn't realize that they didn't have a women's restroom or a place for a woman to nurse or something like that. So you have to make sure especially here where we're a startup hub in small offices that you have those types of things available. Make sure that your imagery on your advertisements and on your job postings represents the diverse candidate pool that you want to attract. But don't think that's enough. Because I run our summer camp that has largely been mostly white girls. It used to be all white girls. And I put some black girls and other girls on our imagery. And it still didn't work. You know what we had to do to get them to come to our camp? We had to go get them. So we had to go to the Boys and Girls Club and hold a workshop there. Or go to a school and invite them and stuff like that. We still had to go get them even though we made our imagery Um, diverse. On the flip side, if our imagery had all girls, boys thought that they couldn't come. Or if it was was just a gaming and coding day that had all boys on the flyers and so people thought girls couldn't come. So imagery does matter, but it's not enough. You still have to do more. Um, Dress codes and other business policies, make sure they don't alienate any of those diverse candidates that you're looking to attract. There's some dress code policies that adversely affect People of color, you tell people how to wear their hair, or how to wear their clothing, or women how they should be dressing in the workplace, or uh, people who choose to wear cultural garb, you're alienating them. If you hire them, they're probably not gonna stay, they feel uncomfortable. And if that makes you uncomfortable as a majority, get comfortable being uncomfortable, and you can relate a little bit more with all those different candidates in your office who are uncomfortable all the time, because they feel like they don't fit. And when you do get at least one person of color or one woman or one LGBTQ or vision impaired or whatever
1: employee in your
3: office, your job's not done with one. Okay, so you didn't get your diversity hire and now you're done. So you can report your numbers. You have to get more than one because then that one becomes the unicorn. And we're doing the oh, I'm with you on the unicorn I got a tattoo of unicorn. For that exact <laughs> exact reason, <laughs> it's it's not fun. It's not fun always being the only one. It's not. Even once you get used to it, there are still days when you just don't feel like being that only one. It's isolating. Even when you attempt to be welcoming and inviting, it is uncomfortable. So make your office diverse. Have more than one. Be welcoming and really, really look for um Look for instances where you might be demonstrating implicit bias or unconscious bias or otherwise feeling uncomfortable with the people that were different from you. You do have to do the work. There's no getting around it. And at this point, I think there are enough initiatives in Madison to bring people to the field, but now companies have to step up. You have to hire them. You have to make efforts to retain them.
5: Um, I have a question from the audience. Um, What pipeline development programs currently exist in Madison and what is the tech community doing to support them? And I specifically like to call on um, Rashid to answer as far as why pipeline why wasn't an initiative
1: that, that so currently successful? exists. Um, that's my biggest challenge is trying to create that. I have quite a few um, employment partners, but nothing that I consider a true pipeline. I'm currently working with um, the city of Madison and a couple other organizations in town that actually get certified to be an official apprenticeship training facility for these places um, and create some kind of pipeline that basically takes people from Madison and trains them specifically to be employed in companies in Madison that plan to stay both the the employee and the employer. Um, Oftentimes with this being a startup kind of hub for tech, um, I see a lot of people create great initiatives on their career with places that end up leaving or shutting down and closing um, and killing employee dreams at the same time because that opportunity doesn't pop up that often in this town. Um, As far as why Wide Web has been so successful with this, um, honestly, I mean, it's been a slow process to success. I'm going to be honest. Um, I don't think I started. I've seen real success with the program until I decided to recreate the curriculum, every cohort, and meet with employment partners and different employers to see, one, what the city is hiring for and willing to hire for, two, what is realistically trainable in the amount of time when these windows for employment opportunities exist, and basically re-looking at that twice a year and creating curriculum based around what opportunities actually exist and not saying, hey, this blanket training will hopefully get you a job one day. And I got six people that will give you a three-month chance to make it work. Um, So we've kind of eliminated internships completely in the last couple years and specifically target long-term career tracks. Um, It seemed like the internship was a bit of a Band-Aid um that kept getting getting torn off when you didn't want it to come off kind of thing both for my program and its um, students as well as for employers um what i was finding that the the internship timeline doesn't allow for um, quality training once in an employment situation um the the tech skill portion of the training was such a small part of what um, career employment actually looks like, in my opinion, as far as what are the unspoken um, things about these some of these corporations. Um, what is the culture? What training do you actually need to perform in this kind of culture if you've never been a uh, suit and tie briefcase type of person? And I automatically plop you down into that situation to actually expect you to succeed and create a sustainable opportunity, and to expect the employer to provide the same thing, more time was needed basically um, in the training situation. So like I said, just redeveloping what that looks like for every cohort and customizing the experience. Um, a few of my students are in the room right now, they can tell you. Um, I've been requesting one-on-one meets with each one in the last week. This is kind of what I do. Uh, the the Curriculum is not the same for every student or every cohort. Everyone will get um, a specifically designed set of curriculum based on what they need to ensure the best opportunity for success. Um, I didn't see real success with the program until, until we started doing that, basically customizing experience per employer, per student, to make sure that it would actually be successful. And kind of what I was talking about before and understanding that equal opportunity does not mean equal resources. Everyone needs something different to have the same opportunity. Um, so applying that same thing in, my, in, in the class was what created a little success for us.
2: G-Beta. So we, we hire a lot of people for our portfolio companies at Generator and G-Beta. We also hire at G-Beta and Generator um, interns. And they're paid positions. Uh, we try to hire one to two per cohort. And those positions are designed to, one, get you accustomed to working with lots of different startups, so you get a lot of exposure. It's sort of um, like a really, really fast-paced boot camp, both for the company and for you. Now, the all of the, the programming itself, um, we don't design for the students; we design them for the start, uh, for the startup. Now, on the student side, what we do is we actually try to hire you in and train you as though we're going to hire you full-time. And our goal is actually to get you to the point where um, you can come on to us with us full-time.
5: All right, um, We're right at 8 o'clock, but I wanted to make sure that I um, asked this audience question. Um, if Madison is not a great place for POCs and tech, why do you stay and continue to stay here? And um, why should a computer science major um, after graduation stay here instead of following money in New York City or San Francisco?
4: I stay here because my family is here. Uh, my kids were born here at Merida Hospital. Uh, this is a great place to raise a I cannot think of a better place to raise a family. Uh, we have the resources, great schools, the family, parks, and different lakes. Uh, also, if you're an entrepreneur, you, can, you have to make your circumstances happen. Uh, you really have to, uh, whether you volunteer for Millennium Soccer Club, you follow your passion, whether you start a dancing group, or whether you start a cooking group, or or, or cha or Salsa group. You have to make your circumstances happen. You cannot wait for organizations to provide you these resources or this ecosystem. You have to make things happen on your own. You have to be bold about it. I, I like it because if you're bold in Madison, good things happen to you, but you have to be really bold taking the first step. Uh, great place to raise a family, as I said, and uh, we still have a long way to go in terms of uh, hiring um, minorities for protect jobs. Uh, we're not quite there yet. But if, you, if you're going to move here to raise a family, and this is, I can think, of a better place. It's an amazing place to be here.
3: Well, I teach for UWI Water, where I have tenure. And in academia, you don't just pick up and go anywhere. You go where a job is waiting for you. And now, for me, it's even more complicated, because I'd have to go where a job is waiting for me and is going to give me tenure, and that I'm sure that I'm going to like. And so I love my job. I'm not going anywhere. And I'm not living in Whitewater. I was never living in yeah. Whitewater. <laughs> Um, that said, uh, one thing I mentioned when answering that first question was that the shortage of women and the shortage of people of color in the tech industry is an industry-wide issue. It's not unique to Madison. So if I were to move, I'm from Chicago, if I were to move back to Chicago, I would be in Chicago working to bring more people of color to information technology. So uh, it, is, it is not currently a strong hub for techies of color. It can be. It absolutely can be. I believe that, and if I leave here, then I can't be a part of making it become that. So, no, I'm not leaving, and if I did, it wouldn't get rid of the issue because the issue is everywhere throughout IT. Money Uh, brought me here, I must say,
1: but now I stay definitely because of the impact. Um, When I quit working with firms, uh, they kind of gave up the big-money experience, um, I wanted to take a step back from family, and through that, I struggled with staying here for a long time. Um, up until my work with Y Web, I was on the fence if I was going to stay year to year. Um, after working with the first cohort um, that I worked with, it was extremely challenging, but... After going through graduation and seeing the, the success of the students that graduated and the ones that had, had jobs, and then looking back now, like a couple years later, and seeing that the ones that are still working, and honestly, the, to seeing the impact um, for them, the husbands, wives, children's families, and not just immediate, but how it rippled out, like currently, uh, my current cohort, I've got the fourth generation of a family. Um, so consistently grandmother, mother, daughter, son, like all the way down, um, all... Worked successfully, everything. But to see that, to see that kind of impact—that not just one, but even on a generational level—and to see people, that, oh, I came because the other three girls in my building all got jobs because they worked with you. Uh, that is what keeps me from leaving this place now. Um, the fact that I almost feel called to create an opportunity because I was given an opportunity. Um, when I got into tech, honestly, was like the first real job I had. Um, when I was painting names on walls, I didn't fill out an application, and I didn't get a check for that. I knew a guy that owned a sign shop, and he felt like I was the best artist he knew, so he let me paint names on, on doors. Um, I didn't actually have a job until I got a job in tech. I never filled out an application in my life. Okay? I've been recruited for every job because I've been lucky, and right? I've been fortunate to um, know the right people at the right time. When I got into tech, .com boom, Companies were willing to pay anything to get a good website out there because they didn't have one already. Being black, being young at the time, I was allowing myself to be tokenized to take advantage of an opportunity that was in front of me. Um, I made that work for me. Now I would hate to see people compromise themselves for the same situation today because they're not the only one out there. Like When I did it, I felt like I was the only one out there. There wasn't another black guy in the country I felt like that was doing it to the level I was. So I took advantage of that. Now I want people to be able to get opportunities on their merit. Um, And I don't think it really happens without help in a lot of cases. I'm in a position to help. um, And I don't think I would have gotten where I did without help. So I want to give back. Tech has been good to me. I'd like to see it be good to other people that come from similar experiences and backgrounds. Um, Because like I said, I don't feel like I would have gotten the opportunity If it wasn't for people giving me a chance. Um, So I'd like to see people get the same chance. That keeps me here.
5: Can we have a round of applause for our panel?
0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of CAP Times Talks. We put these talks together about once a month or so. In the meantime, you can check out our other podcasts, including The Corner Table, The Cost of Opportunity, and another show brimming with great conversations, just like this one, called Live from Count Cap- Times Idea Fest. Please subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you may find podcasts. I'm Eric Lawrence, and thanks again for listening.